Welcome to the Top 3 by E3, a monthly podcast about the intersection between engineering, energy, and project finance. We know that the energy transition from fossil fuel-based to renewable energy will help stem the tide of climate change and benefit all species on the planet. But what happens when renewable energy has a negative impact on certain species? Wind turbines harness the free energy of wind, but there are impacts to songbirds, raptors, other birds, and bats. This concern grows with the increasing wind energy development that we are seeing across the globe. Today, we are talking with Carol Ho, E3's environmental engineer, about ways to reduce the impacts of wind turbines on wildlife. Welcome, Carol. Thank you, Ginger. I wanted to start off by addressing a comment we often hear. If you are so worried about bird deaths, aren't uh, wind turbines so much less harmful compared to other dangers, such as being killed by cats, vehicles, or flying into windows of buildings? The answer is yes. And while this is true, no owner of a wind farm wants to sacrifice birds and bats for their project, regardless of how many are killed elsewhere. And while the number may be low compared to other dangers now, as wind farms are built, and especially if they are built with no regard for mitigating impacts, those numbers will increase. From our experience with E3's clients, project owners and operators do not want their technology to harm birds and are looking for practical ways to address this issue. So Carol, what are the most practical ways that have been found so far? Well, in the past, lattice towers, like transmission towers, were used on wind farms, and many of these are now being replaced with the modern monopoles that we are all familiar with now. Lattice towers attracted birds by offering perching space. So the monopoles are better, but it hasn't solved the problem. The simplest way to minimize impacts to birds when you are designing your wind farm is to site or locate the individual wind turbines properly. Biological surveys are done, sometimes for several years prior to development, to provide data to know where there may be sensitive habitat, nesting location, and migration routes. And just simply having a biologist study the landscape and point out risks that may not be obvious to the engineers. Also of importance is to be aware of how operations impact these species and whether there can be minor changes in operations that can significantly reduce risk. For example, bats prefer to fly in low wind. So raising the wind speed when a, wind, when a turbine system allows the blades to begin turning, called the cut-in speed, has resulted in significant reduction in bat impacts without sacrificing a lot of electrical production. So once you've sighted properly and have your operations optimized as much as possible, what, what else can be done? Well, companies and researchers have invested significant resources in finding new ways or new technology to lessen impacts. And that brings us to the first subject of our top three by E3 for today. First of all, the use of radar to detect approaching birds is tried and true. It has been used for over 10 years now on wind farms and has been largely voluntary. Radar is good at detecting large flocks of migrating birds. Wind farms on the Texas coast were, I believe, the first to apply this use of radar to wind farms located along migration routes that see thousands of birds each season. It is less accurate at detecting individual large birds. However, they are becoming more sophisticated and newer systems have seen success with detecting large individuals or smaller flocks of large or small birds. The first systems required a human to respond to the information, meaning someone would need to turn off one or a group of turbines when birds are approaching within a certain distance. Current radar systems can be connected directly to the wind turbine controls to turn them off or on automatically. Some high-tech products are able to map flight paths and then display it on a 3D map, such as Google Earth. On a much larger scale, 
Software is being developed to identify biological targets versus other flying objects such as planes from large-scale established weather surveillance radar. This approach could provide significant information by being able to track movements across large areas. The data could be used to produce models that would help with finding new good locations for wind farms or to improve curtailment protocols at existing wind farms. So, Carol, can you give us an example from work that E3 has been involved in? Sure. In California, the California condor has presented a challenge to wind farms in the Tehachapi region, which is north of L.A., The California condor was near extinction in the 1980s, and at one point, there were only 27 left in the world. For conservation, the last few individuals were brought into captivity for a breeding program. Some condors were hand-raised until ready for release into the wild. Their repopulation has been successful, and their range is expanding. So now there is starting to be some overlap into the wind farm areas. On the plus side, not only are California condors very large, most were tagged over the years with a very high frequency or VHF radar or GPS device for tracking. This enabled wind farm biologists to be alerted to the approach of a California condor and monitor their movements, curtailing turbines as needed. As more condors are born in the wild though, of course they will not all have GPS. Wind farms in this location still rely on biologists in surveillance towers to observe and respond to condor and eagles. That was really interesting. So, you know, this does sound like there's still a lot of human involvement in the day-to-day operations. What kind of new technology is the industry seeing? So new technology brings us to our second subject of the top three by E3. There are several exciting new ideas that are being used around the world that I wanted to share. First, a bird deterrent technology called DT-BIRD was developed in Spain and is being used at about 50 sites worldwide, according to their website. They look like speakers strapped to the monopole towers, aimed up toward the blade-swept area. The system detects birds and then can either make a warning sound or can curtail the turbine. It is designed to distinguish between species, and the responding sound can be targeted at specific species. If the birds can be deterred from entering the area, you don't have to curtail and reduce energy production. The issue with the sound is disturbance of non-targeted wildlife and people if you are near a populated area. A study done on turbines in California found some challenges with false positives, and you don't want extra noise due to a false alarm. But this technology has been used for over 10 years in Europe, so it's improving. Other researchers are working on directional sound to address the noise issue, directing sound in a narrow beam like light. This is called audio spotlight technology, and a product called audio lighthouse is being studied for use at wind farms. Another new technology called identiflight uses cameras on top of their own towers, not the wind towers, combined with artificial intelligence software to identify species of birds and curtail turbines as needed. Let's say you're interested in detecting golden eagles. This system uses a database of millions of images of golden eagles to match the characteristics of an observed bird to the images, along with adding images in real time to further refine its intelligence. The technology can see one kilometer away and respond by curtailing turbines in the same way that radar can. The main advantage of Identiflight is its ability to identify individual protected species. It is in commercial use in the U.S. and over 50 sites worldwide. 
those you, those ideas are really high tech. Are there also some more simple ideas like regarding tower design that could also have positive effects? Or you know, what about tower height or different color paints? Yes, there are also studies regarding basic design. Researchers are studying different paint colors since light colors attract insects. Yellow, white, and gray were the most attractive, and darker colors less so. A recent study in Norway found reduced bird fatalities by painting one of the three turbine blades black. But darker colors may have other issues, such as heat. Thinking beyond the pinwheel spinning blades that we are all familiar with, which are called horizontal axis wind turbines, engineers have been experimenting with new designs, one that is teardrop shaped, for example, and spins on a vertical axis. But these unconventional designs have not had the decades of field experience and improvements, and so it's hard to know their impacts on wildlife. And then what effect did turbine tower height and blade length have on wildlife? Some studies have shown that a higher hub height and smaller blade lengths have reduced impacts on birds, although other studies have not found this to be the case. So, Carol, circling back um, to the intro, you mentioned bats. Are the same technologies for birds going to prevent impacts to bats as well? Bats require a different approach for study and protection. And this brings us to our third topic for today. Regarding sighting, it's been found through experience that biological surveys prior to development may not identify risks. Locations that did not show a lot of bat activity prior to construction have been found to have increased activity once the turbines are in place. It appears that bats are attracted to the turbines for some reason. It's been speculated that bats mistake the monopoles for trees and come looking for food. It's also possible that the monopoles actually do attract insects that the bats come looking for. Bats use sound waves for identifying objects and navigation, called echolocation, and it has been hypothesized that their sense of echolocation may not detect the moving blades. Once they are in close proximity to the spinning blades, the sudden and extreme change in air pressure could burst air pockets in the body. This is called barotrauma. A study in 2008 found that more than 50% of the dead bats had internal barotrauma without any signs of impact at a particular site. But a later study by NREL was not as conclusive and indicated that bats are, in fact, being struck by the blades. In either case, the challenge is keeping bats away from the turbines. The company that developed DT Bird also is developing DT Bat. The system identifies the presence of bats by recognizing their ultrasound, then can curtail the turbines to prevent impacts. Researchers at various organizations and private companies have developed technology to deter bats from approaching wind turbines using what we know about echolocation. The systems emit an ultrasonic acoustic field in the same range as bats' natural frequencies, but louder. This effectively jams the airwaves and the bats' ability to hear its own echoes. The goal is to discourage bats from entering the airspaces being treated with these unnatural sound waves. A study in Texas used such a product by NRG Systems and found reductions in bat deaths from 50 to 80%, depending on the species of bat. Based on the success of the study, the wind farm owner decided to install the systems on 255 of its turbines at that um, Los Vientos wind farm, the first commercial scale installation in the continental U.S. Interesting, Carol. Thank you. You're welcome. 
There is so much more information than what I've touched on here. And for people who are interested to learn more, you can check out the Department of Energy's Wind Energy Technologies Office website. They summarize the many studies being done to develop innovative technologies and lower costs to accelerate the deployment of wind energy throughout the country. Check out the category called Environmental Impacts and Siting of Wind Projects. The DOE invests toward these goals through cooperative agreements with companies, universities, laboratories, and other organizations. Looking through the current projects these days, you will notice that the focus has really shifted to offshore wind development. I'm sure we will see some of the technologies discussed here applied to offshore wind farms. Carol, thank you so much again for uh, the topic. I think it's, uh, it's fascinating. Um, and thank you all for listening, and we hope you enjoyed today's topic. If you have any questions for Carol regarding mitigation measures or other environmental topics, please reach out to us at e3co at e3co.com. Thanks again. 